Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking with Archbishop Cordelion of the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Yeah, we're going to be talking with the Archbishop about the draconian restrictions being placed on the Catholic Mass in San Francisco and how he's leading the effort based on science and faith to free the Mass. The Archbishop has something to say. Let's listen. Archbishop, what an honor to have you on our show. We are so grateful. And Archbishop Corleone has been entrusted by the Holy Father, Pope Francis, for the pastoral care of the people of San Francisco. And that pastoral care has been looking pretty challenging. And Archbishop Corleone, you know, yesterday you just had a demonstration. You had a Eucharistic procession. You know, what led up to this demonstration? What led up to uh, your pastoral action, which, which has been inspiring so many of us? It's been inspiring me. Um, you know, what led up to this point of, of where you needed to make a demonstration? First of all, thank you so much for having me on the show uh, so I can kind of explain to a wider uh, a listener audience uh, what's been happening here. So, to try to do a brief synopsis of what's been going on for the last five, six months, we recall in March, there was this major shutdown. Uh, this virus was beginning to spread without control. There was a lot of fear, a lot of panic, and uh, bishops around the country and uh, us bishops in California, uh, we did sh shut our churches for mass and encourage pastors to live stream their masses. I encourage my pastors as well to continue to provide the sacrament of penance for people. It was even then clear that it could be done in a safe way. But there was a lot of this fear and desire to try to get this spread under control and, as they say, flatten the curve. I said at that time that, uh, and I've been insisting all along, the state does not have the authority to tell us not to worship, so we were voluntarily making this decision. I was a little nervous thinking what could happen, and it is what has happened. As things began to open up, the state continued, well, in San Francisco, especially all throughout California, but most restrictively in San Francisco, has kept us shut down. San Francisco is the strictest county in the whole country. The, uh, when it began to open up uh, for um, other activities at the beginning of June, they said we would be able to, by the middle of June, open up for uh, worship, but with the directives to be issued by the city and county of San Francisco. But when they issued those directives, it was, we still cannot have indoor services, only outdoors with a limit of 12 people. So in essence, a continued shutdown on public worship. Right. While they were allowing street protests to continue without any limit on the number, without people keeping the proper social distance, not only allowing it, even participating in it, uh, using the steps of city hall, using the city's podium. The mayor herself even spoke at one of these protests. So the city participated, encouraged in these protests, but put this limit of 12 people for us on outdoor gatherings. So, and then uh, in the middle of September, they said that uh, the week before that we were, they were going to lift the number to 50. Uh, I was so frustrated that I decided to start having multiple outdoor masses on our cathedral plaza. So we were having 12 masses of 12 people each. So when they announced the number 50, 
I thought, well, we can have multiple masses of 50 people each. And uh, we were getting very tired of being treated unjustly this way because other types of businesses, similar activity, activities were able to, to operate. We submitted a safety plan to the city in May. They requested faith communities to do that for when we reopened for worship. We still haven't heard back. Stores submitted their safety plan. They got them approved and they went back into 50% capacity for indoor retail. We still have not heard back from the city on our safety plan. So uh, we're, we're at the end of our rope now and it's time I've been patient. I've been uh, positioning myself of wanting to cooperate, work with our public officials to help take care of our people and get the, the uh, spread of the virus under control. But it's very clear they're not listening at all, that they don't care. And this is what I said in my homily is that they just don't care. So and we, we don't mean anything at all to them. So we had three processions, one a Eucharistic procession from different directions, different parishes that converged at City Hall. We processed to the cathedral and we had about 20 masses of 50 people each, English, Spanish, and one mass in Chinese, and I waited till all the priests finished the gospel to preach the homily to everyone there present at the cathedral at these outdoor masses. Mm -hmm. However, when the city issued this new norm of allowing 50 for outdoor gatherings, they put a provision in that uh, multiple gatherings at the same location is prohibited. They put a further- Backwards. Wait, wait, it gets worse. They put a further provision in that allows only one person at a time inside of church to pray. God bless. Now, mind you, mind you, there are two, two things to point out here. At the same time, they opened up indoor businesses that require one-on-one -on -one contact for an extended period of time, right? Hair salons, nail salons, tattoo parlors, massage parlors. Those are all able to operate indoors. And that involves extended one-on-one -on -one contact, but only one person at a time in church. Plus, they kept this other provision in that they do allow a religious service to be conducted indoors if it's for the purpose of live streaming it. And they allow the people there necessary to conduct the service and to live stream it up to 12. So if you live stream a service, you can have 12 people inside of a church who have to be closer to each other because in the sanctuary area, then 12 people spread throughout the church just to pray. Hmm. Sounds like they wrote it with crayons too. Yeah, and with us at the center of the bullseye. Yeah, it, it, this defies logic, and it really, it, it really does uh, smell of, of oppression and, like you said, just absolute disdain for the Catholic Church. It's, it's a complete affront. Disdain. It's an affront. It's discrimination. I was giving them the benefit of that doubt all along, even though we were being treated unjustly. I thought I, that reason would eventually prevail, but it doesn't. When I told the health officer, I asked, why can't we have indoor worship? You're allowing indoor retail at 50% capacity. And he said, well, people go in a store, they make a purchase and leave. They don't stay in there a long time. People inside the same room, extended period of time, there is a greater danger of infection. But I said, yeah, but these larger outlets, they can easily spend an hour, two hours, even three hours in these big department stores or, and, and the like. And we can keep our services to around an hour. And the church is a safer venue. And because the people are stationary, we can ensure they wear a mask, we can ensure they stay six feet apart, we can keep windows and doors open for air circulation, we can sanitize between services, whereas in a store they're moving around, they're bumping into each other, they're touching everything. Uh, so a church is actually, it can be a safer, so why don't you allow us? All he said was, it's much, much safer to do it outdoors. And I said, yeah. 
why do you why do you insist on a limit of 12 outdoors when you're allowing the protests to go on and without any limit no answer so it's it's clearly uh, i i finally can no longer give them the benefit of the doubt this is your right disdain for the catholic church we are being targeted and discriminated against Archbishop, I know that the the, diocese, the archdiocese has always been more than willing to be uh, good partners with the city. They've always been more than willing to follow the science in a, a respectful and appropriate way. Um, I saw recently that uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, countered you by saying that she is going to follow the science on this one. Um, what did you have to say in response to Speaker Pelosi's comment on that? I wanted to focus more on, on City Hall to insist with them that we are following the science. Mm -hmm. First of all, first of all, they're saying, follow the science with your religious services. Why aren't they saying that about anyone else? Right. They're not telling mm -hmm. stores, they're not telling massage parlors, they're not telling museums, show us the science that your activity is safe. No, they're mm -hmm. doing with them, they're being reasonable. Submit a safety plan, we review it, we approve it, and you can go back into operation according to that safety plan. They only say that to us, follow the science, okay? So that's one thing, there, there you have an unequal treatment. Mm -hmm. Secondly though, we are following the science. We have the study that was issued a couple of weeks ago by the three uh, specialists in infectious diseases who studied uh, over a period of 14 weeks, one million masses that were celebrated around the country following the safety protocols. These safety protocols were a model that were issued by the Thomistic Institute in Washington, D.C. that formed a committee of people with different areas of expertise, health science, theologians, liturgy experts, to come up with a way to celebrate mass in a way that's going to protect people's health. We're all following those. We may make little tweaks here and there. We're all following those same safety protocols. One million masses where those safety protocols were observed. There was not one case of an infection traceable to an indoor worship service. Not one case in one million masses. How can you want anything more than that to be sure we're going to be safe? And I have insisted to my priests that when we open up for worship, for a while, we have three counties in the archdiocese. For a while, one of the counties was allowed to have indoor services. I insisted you can't, you can't have a service unless you're, going to, you're able and will follow these safety protocols. So we are following the science. Uh, I just wish they were, would require everyone else to give data to show that they're following the science if they're requiring that of us. Now you have put together safety protocols. You have communicated with civil authorities. You have made every type of plan and communicated with all of your priests in all three counties. You've experienced nothing but discrimination and it seems like it is just absolutely unconstitutional what's happening there. It, I, I, we're just so heartbroken with you, Archbishop, that this is what you are suffering because you're suffering the pastoral care of your people and the, and the salvation of the souls that are entrusted to you. Where do you, where do you go? What are the next steps? I know that you have a petition that, that people can sign. You know, where, where are we going to go from here now with you? Because we're with you in this and the community is behind you. You know, where do we go, Archbishop? Thank you. Well, thank you for that question. Yes, our people are hurting very much. Uh, they've been shut out of indoor worship for, what, five months now. Um, many of them haven't had access to the Eucharist. We, uh, most parishes are having outdoor services 
with limited numbers. In one county, there's no limit on the number. In San Francisco, it was 12, now it's 50. And another county, another county just returned Marin County to indoor worship very recently. But again, why in San Francisco County, there's a limit of 12 and now 50, San Mateo, that just to the south, there's no limit. How did the virus know on which side of the county line that people are standing? So our people are, are hurting, they're very upset, they're, they're outraged at our uh, city officials for this unjust treatment. So we have, uh, we have uh, the Benedict XVI Institute of Liturgy um, uh, Institute. Uh, we have in San Francisco has initiated a petition drive that people can uh, go, uh, go online to sign at freethemass.com. We also have it available in Spanish, queremoslamisa.com. Uh, they can sign this petition to urge our city officials to free the mass, to allow us to exercise our natural right protected by the First Amendment in a way that's unimpaired by uh, the city officials. So I would ask people to go online at freethemass.com to sign this petition. Even though this is focused on San Francisco, it has consequences for the whole country, especially throughout the state of California, which also has unreasonable restrictions. Uh, it's just not as bad as San Francisco, but it's still unreasonable because the limit for the state of California, the state of California issues guidelines and then counties can follow those or issue their own that are more restrictive. In, San, in California, it's for worship services, 25% capacity of the building up to a limit of 100 people. The 100 limit is preposterous. There's no numerical limit on other venues. Why on churches? Our St. Mary's Cathedral can seat 2,500 people. There's room for about another 500 to 1,000 standing room in the back and along the sides. So 100 is less than 4% capacity. So uh, we, we, need to, we, we need to spread this out. We're focusing on San Francisco now. If we can build some momentum because it's most obvious. The discrimination is most obvious in San Francisco. I mean, your, momentum beyond. Yeah, we see yeah. you asking folks for prayer too as well. Can you eliminate that a little too? Yes, I keep reminding people of uh, our message to live the consecration in response to some, uh, some of the faithful in the archdiocese. Three years ago, I consecrated the Archdiocese to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, it was on the occasion of the 100th anniversary of the apparition at Fatima, although the actual day was October 7th, the Memorial of Our Lady of the Rosary. It was on, on that occasion, it was the year of the 100th anniversary. So uh, it was a response to the request. We had a year of preparation by spiritual preparation catechesis. But I don't want it to be a happy memory. I want it to be something that's lived out. So I keep reminding our people to live the consecration through prayer, adoration, and penance. Prayer means what Our Lady always asks us to pray the rosary. I'm asking our people to pray the rosary every day and for families to pray the family rosary at least once a week. I'm asking our people to uh, spend one hour of adoration of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament a week, one hour a week. Um, many parishes are still able to continue um, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, but if not, they're open for people to go in and pray before uh, the presence of our Lord in the tabernacle. And fast and uh, penance by doing Friday fasting. Friday is still a day of penance. Uh, the church didn't change that, uh, modified the rules on the discipline. So I'm asking people to fast seriously uh, if their health allows for it. Some people have certain health conditions they can't, but Fasting in our tradition means just one meal. 
now the church recently in the last maybe many decades has mitigated that to you can take to a little bit of food to other times a day. So I've asked our people to at least skip one meal on Friday and do more if you can to seriously fast. Uh, fasting is a form of penance of imploring God for mercy. We need to implore God for mercy for our, um, our kind of corporately our society turning away from him. And then also penance in the sense of the sacrament to avail themselves of the sacrament of penance frequently. So this is what I'm asking our people to do for this spiritual engagement. Without being spiritually grounded, nothing will happen. We will not please God and we will ultimately fail no matter how good we do at organizing and, and agitating. So praying the rosary daily, family rosary once a week, an hour a week of adoration before Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, Friday fasting and sacrament of penance. Archbishop, truly, it has been such an honor to have you on the show and fitting very much so in the context of our prayer life. We shared quite a bit leading up to this conversation with you. For me personally, Cardinal Vantuan, Venerable Cardinal Vantuan, excuse me, has been so central to my, to my prayer life and my spirituality as of recent. Here's a man whose, whose life, you know, as an archbishop, was spent in jail and his freedoms restricted. And your freedom to exercise pastoral care for your people are being restricted right now. And I pray through his intercession as well um, for your pastoral care to be revived and to come back to the full capacity that you possibly can with safety in mind to care for your people. Um, but you know, being in your shoes, what has it been like for you not being able to, to meet with your people and have to go through all of these tumultuous, just terrible experiences? You know, how, how have you been through all this challenge? It does feel a bit like being adrift at sea, um, but it's a turbulency because of uh, trying to deal with the city that's being so unreasonable. But a bit adrift. It's um, I'm I'm a yeah, came to the as a bishop as a diocesan priest. Diocesan priests, parish priests are the way we live. Our priestly spirituality is is focused on the people. Uh, that's where we find our our home as a priest Amen. is in ministering among God's people. So mm -hmm. it's very hard. I know it's been hard on our parish priests as well to be physically separated from their people. They've been creative and using technology to connect, but uh, it's, it, it feels like a bit adrift. And I think of so much I've missed out on the, the whole confirmation season. I wasn't able to celebrate confirmations and other special mm -hmm. events in the life of parish. I had so many things on my calendar that had to be canceled with you know, parish feast days and anniversaries and a blessing of new windows, things like that. They're always such joyful moments in the parish I did have a mass where I installed a, a pastor, but it was in San Francisco. We just had 12 people, mm. which meant 10 of his faithful. He, I, and 12, 10 of his faithful in a courtyard. Mm. So it was sad. It was yeah. sad. It, it's hard. But I, I pray that uh, God will use this as a way of purifying his church and um, maybe strengthening people's faith. When we're, you know, when we're deprived of something, that's when we really appreciate it. So maybe... 
this is God's way of bringing about a Eucharistic revival in the church. I would expect no other hope from you than that. Amen. And you have truly, and just so you know, your suffering ha- is inspiring us and, and we're with you and your disappointment is our disappointment. We will be signing those petitions. Our viewers, our listeners will be signing those petitions. And most importantly, we're going to be praying with your people and we will create a revolution of tenderness, as Pope Francis says, as it relates to this, that's inspired by Christ. You know, Archbishop, your grace, what a true honor to have you on the show. Thank you. We are united in spirit and, and we're going to continue moving forward. That's siempre adelante, nunca atrás of St. Junipero Serra. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, guys, that was an honor to have the Archbishop on. Again, uh, you can go to freethemass.com or Chrisma La Misa. There's links below. Uh, if you're looking for it on Twitter or you on uh, Facebook or anything, look for the hashtag Free the Mass. Uh, go and sign that petition because really our voices uh, added to the Archbishop's voice is very important right now. And, uh, you know, his name, Corleone, uh, you know, the heart of the lion. Uh, you know, everyone's been saying, oh, we need this, this leadership and this brave heroic leadership from our bishops. Well, well there it is. And it, he's mm-hmm. calling to you. So follow that because you've been asking for this brave, profoundly reasonable leadership. It's there. Now let's listen. And, and I think his leadership is, is one that is uh, scientific. Yeah. It is most certainly pastoral. Mm-hmm. And he is lifting up his voice in a cultural environment that is clearly turned against the church. Yeah. And I am truly touched by his witness and his example because it takes courage to do, you know, what he's doing right now. And I, I can't imagine anybody else being in that city other than him. I mean, like he's uniquely talented to be able to handle this situation, but I mean, you could just sense, I mean, this is, this is a challenging situation for all of the priests, for all the faithful of San Francisco. We have to do something. Yeah. So please, again, we, we just gonna, we're going to uh, re-echo what, what Ryan Shields said a couple of times before we finish this episode, but go to queremoslamisa.com for, for a Spanish petition. Go to freethemass.org. And there you will be able to sign the petition. So please sign the petition right now. Do not wait. Put the video on pause. Sign the petition. Let's support Archbishop. And let's support the people, the faithful of San Francisco. I say this to my parishioners all the time. So for my parishioners to be listening in right now, you know, we need to, we need to sense like we're grateful for celebrating Mass. Well, now's the time to do something for people that are unable to celebrate Mass in the same way that we do. And, you know, we have to not live in a relativistic world anymore. We need to live in a conscientious world of concern for our neighbor who are struggling, who are impoverished. And right now the people of San Francisco are impoverished, our faithful brothers and sisters. So we ask you to do something about it and visit those websites and really lend your support. Not only that, pray. You heard the archbishop say it. Please, please take some time out and pray. I, I, love, I love the facet of what the archbishop was saying about prayer and fasting, yes. you know, and the power of that and, and the relationship of that in the church. And you could almost tell like, you know, how the church has been teaching fasting over relative recent history. Right. <laughs> you know, let's bring back like some of the old school fasting. Right. Now's the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just, yeah. Um, heartbroken at uh, what's going on but you know i i think the prayer part of it's very important yeah. you know the petition's important we want voices to be heard 
the prayer part is is the supernatural grace that we can deplore or implore God to help us out. Um, and and this is just the next phase right now. I mean, we don't know where this is going. We're hoping that you know there's going to be some help that he's going to be able to get to to begin you know a structured reopening. But this is a good start. And yep. and you know he's gone about this in a very uh, you know, structured way and, and reasonable, the, reasonable, structured way. We're at the next point where, you know, it's time to make our voices heard mm -hmm. and, and to pray and to fast mm -hmm. because so many good things from ha happen from praying the rosary, you know, going to confession, right? Fasting, like, yeah. fasting, you know, all these things. So I, I'm going to be joining, uh, on a fast on Friday, on Fridays with him. I normally don't do it. I, I'm now I'm like encouraged to do it, you yeah, know, yeah. but, uh, you know, just a very faithful man. Um, one who loves the people in the church. He had that same Italian fire as both of you two. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm just really grateful that, uh, you know, we had him on the show. We could support him. I mean, he was saying how important it is to encourage one another. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's encouragement. You know, I mean, yeah. that's a big deal. I, I can't imagine being in his shoes mm. right now. No. You know? I mean, yeah. it's frustrating. You know, and like I said, you know, he was being so reasonable about this. He was being, he's being a good partner. He's following the plans. He's doing everything um, in a respectful, civil way. With diplomacy. With, with diplomacy civil authority, And grace. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's scientific. It's dipl diplomatic. And they're still not responding. So at this point, there is nothing else that one can really take from it and ascertain that this is nothing more than a concerted effort to use the opportunity of a pandemic to strike back at the church at a, yeah. at a culture that um, not only doesn't value it, but actually has disdain for it. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's a target. He's been mm -hmm. a target since he's been there. I'm sure previous bishops have been targeted. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, I mean, this is, this is definitely taking that targeting a little to the extreme it's right actually. on the nose yeah yeah mm -hmm. you know and you know his last name Corleone, the heart of the lion look this this bishop he he's yeah. he's showing that heart of a lion and like i said everyone always asks for that leadership and that strength from a bishop there it is follow it go to freethemass.com or .org and go to Quaresma la misa uh sign those petitions do the prayers and the fasting that the archbishop recommends because Today it's San Francisco, but it, it you know this can always trend in the opposite way, and this really is a precedent. Um, yeah. And if this precedent isn't addressed head on, civil liberties, as far as the free exercise of the faith and the First uh, Amendment, yeah. will continue to be infringed on. This is not a flippant matter. This is an important matter for your future, for your children, and for generations to come to make stands now. Mm -hmm. That's right. So we want to thank you for joining us on the show today. And again, please, please take some time out after you sign the petition, even just before you go to bed tonight or, or wherever you are in your day, if you're listening in at work, before you go home, stop in at the church. If you can get into the church and pray, pray. If, if you can't pray, let's unite around our show, our friendship, our connections and our community Let's stop now and pray. So we want to conclude this show uh, today with a prayer. Uh, so let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we call upon your loving mercy to look upon us in your compassion. We see the injustices and we hear about them that the church is facing in San Francisco and throughout California and throughout the world. 
in your mercy continue to guide the shepherds that you have entrusted the church to. Give them a shepherd's care. Guide them in their work. Grant them a diplomacy that will open up the doors for worship to continue far into the future. We adore you. We adore your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent into the world to redeem us. We ask that you may strengthen our faith, strengthen our hope, and strengthen our love, that in communion with you and with one another, we may continue to move forward upon that path that you have laid for us to walk together upon towards salvation. You are merciful, God. Hear and respond to our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray, pray, pray for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.